0: And welcome to this week's recording of the local news, brought to you by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. We're recording this on a very hot day and hope you've all managed to keep cool during this very hot spell that we're having in September. Our service is free, but if you would like to make a donation towards the running costs, or if you have any comments about our service, please leave a message in your wallet or ring us here at Colin Chance House. There isn't always some, anybody here, but if you leave a message, someone will get back to you as soon as they can. I am Sally, and Ian and Margaret are reading with me, and Alex is our sound engineer. We'll be featuring news from Friday the 1st of September until Thursday the 7th of September. We'll include some what's on in the area, some headl- the headline stories, some sporting items, and general articles. And the obituaries will be after the closing music for those who wish to hear them. And I'd just like to wish uh, Leslie Jones a very happy birthday. Um, Oh, that's a bit ahead. But also Linda Bather, whose birthday is on the 14th. And a bit ahead, Leslie is on the 21st. But I hope you have a happy birthday, Linda, on the 14th. And Leslie, when it comes. And our thought for this, for this week comes from Matthew 7, verses 7 to 8. Jesus said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And now I will pass you over to Margaret, who will read out some useful telephone numbers. Right, these are the useful telephone numbers, starting with
1: Worcester Talking News, that is us. 01905 767766. The Police Non-Emergency Number 101 and NHS Direct 111. Out of hours medical assistance that's between 6 p.m. and 8 p.m. 0300 123 3211 um, crime stoppers 0800 treble 5 treble 1 community risk team that's fire safety 0800 Domestic abuse head, helpline 800 980 three one Worcestershire County Council here to help um, one uh sorry O one nine oh five seven six eight zero five three and there you need to request option three Worcester Hub that's 01905 uh, Sense Adventures Walking for the Visually Impaired. Uh, telephone D Jones. That's DEE Jones on 01684 819 796. Samaritans, a free phone, free phone number. 116123 Worcester Theatre's Box Office O one nine o five six double one four two seven. 611427 Morven Theatre Box Office O one six eight four eight nine double two double seven. 892277 Norbury Theatre, Droitwich Box Office 01905 And number eight, Theatre Pershaw, box office, 01386 555 488. Those are the uh, useful telephone numbers.
2: Uh, Thank you, Margaret. And now to move on to some events uh, upcoming in Worcester and Malvern. Uh, Firstly, at the Swan Theatre... Uh, One Night in Dublin is being performed on Friday the 15th of September at 7.30. The legendary Wild Murphys guarantee one glorious night of high-energy Irish music. Uh, At the Huntington Hall, also on Friday the 15th of September at 7.30, Carine Polwart is presenting Light Beyond the Window. Karine is a multi award winning Scottish songwriter, folk singer, and storyteller. Then, going back to the Swan Theatre on Sunday, the 17th of September at 3 pm, Glenn Miller and the big band Spectacular. The music that filled the dance halls during the big band era is brought to life by the Moonlight Serenade Orchestra UK. Now, in Malvern, at the Festival Theatre, from Tuesday the 19th to Saturday the 23rd of September, there is a presentation called Faith Healer, directed by Michael Cabot. Frank Hardy has a gift, a gift of healing. The sick, the suffering and desperate arrive from out of the wind and rain. They are promised a performance an opportunity to spend an intimate moment with a mercurial showman who offers hope and salvation to the afflicted. There's an evening performance during those dates at 7.30pm and a matinee on Wednesday and Saturday at 2.30pm. Also at Malvern Festival Theatre, from Tuesday the 26th to Saturday the the 30th of September, there is a presentation of the must-see comedy of 2023, Bridesmaids, a comedy parody. A hilarious show that promises to be the girls' night out to remember. There are evening performances during those dates at 7.30pm, and a Saturday matinee at 2.30pm. Lastly, for information, the Repair Café returns. People with broken items that may be able to be fixed are invited to the next Repair Café in Worcester. The next session will be on Saturday, September the 9th, from 11am to 2pm at Unity House in Stanley Road. Please... Could you bring your items by one thirty pm at the latest to give the repairers time to fix them? The team will take a look at any item that can be carried or pushed through the door. If an item is heavy, then the volunteers will help move it into the building. People can also enjoy
0: tea and cake while they wait. Thank you. And now we'll move on to the headline stories, starting with the headline for... Friday, September the 1st, Fury Over School Attendance Competition. A poster competition prom- promoting regular school attendance has sparked a backlash from parents who cannot find places for children, some with special needs mums and dads reacted with anger to a twice-since-deleted Facebook post from Worcestershire Children's First, which called on young artists to design a poster to promote regular attendance. Some said no places could be found for their children, full stop, either because of the general shortage of school places or because their children's needs could not be met in a school setting, including those of vulnerable children with special educational needs and disabilities, SEND. Some parents said the post discriminates against their children, one calling it unbelievable and the competition despicable. Worcester Children's First provides children's services in the county. City Green councillor Eleanor Round, who works with disabled children and provides support to families not able to attend school, once the competition stopped, the posts retracted and an apology from WCF for the insensitive posts. She said it's a knife in the back of parents and children because it's blaming them when children's first lack of understanding is the real issue. Why are these inflammatory posts going out over the school holidays when children are at their most traumatised and over the weekend just before children are meant to be going back to school? The anxiety being caused by this is unbelievable. The post reads, Calling all young artists in Worcestershire Get ready to show off your creativity and promote the significance of regular school attendance. We are offering the opportunity to all Worcestershire pupils and schools to enter our school attendance poster competition. We're asking you to design an A4 poster that vividly advocates for the importance of regular school attendance. Let your imagination run wild with attendance slogans, captivating images and interesting facts. Tracy Winchester... 43, of Send National Crisis Worcestershire, called the post disgraceful. She has two autistic children, Rowan, 12, and Maeve, 8, and said it does really demonstrate the lack of understanding of the issues, the sort of focus on attendance over all else. She said the competition was reposted, which showed Children First was either not reading the comments or ignoring them. And the posts hit a nerve with parents particularly at a time when children are set to return to school it's almost like they're saying children are choosing not to go rather than there being needs they have they have that aren't being met it's in such bad taste some children can't find places because their needs aren't being met and there's a lack of places in the county that has already been recognized that there is a lack of places full stop lynn denham joint leader of Worcester City Council and leader of the Labour Group, said WCF's poster competition for children to promote the significance of regular school attendance is wrong on so many levels. Unfortunately, it's a competition designed to exclude many children rather than encourage learning. County Council Cabinet Member with Responsibility for Education, Councillor Tracy Onslow, said Regular attendance provides an environment for children to develop social skills, build friendships and learn essential life lessons through interaction with classmates and teachers. Of course, some situations may require authorised absence. In these cases, whether due to illness, specific bespoke needs or other exceptional circumstances, we encourage parents and carers to work with the school to arrange the necessary support and reasonable adjustments. We appreciate some pupils may find it harder than others to attend, which is why we're working closely with education set to support pupils and parents and, where possible, help remove barriers to attendance.
1: Right, this is... The, or rather, these are the headlines for Worcester News on Saturday and Sunday, September the 2nd and the 3rd. The headline reads... Golf Course Homes homes Plan Facing Appeal Uh, Refused Scheme in Government Inspector's Hands and the article reads Homes May Still Be Built Half a dozen homes predicted to be a blot on the landscape could still be built on a former city golf course despite the council turning the plan down. The application by Tustin Holdings for six new homes off the fairway next to Worcester's Tolladyne Road was rejected by councillors last November. The developer has now lodged an appeal with the government's planning inspectorate, which has the power to overrule Worcester City Council to get the decision overturned. The homes would sit on the northern tip of the former Tolladyne golf course next to 16 affordable homes being built by platform housing. Land on the former golf course is protected green space, but has also been included as a potential site for up to 15 new homes in the ongoing review of the South Worcestershire Development Plan. The move pro- uh, proved contentious after several plans to build homes on the green space have been met with opposition and controversy over the years. Several neighbours in the fairway, the road which the new homes would be accessed from, criticised platform housings, saying they were concerned by the increase in traffic, especially entering onto the the exiting from the already very busy Tolladyne Road. Other neighbours questioned whether the homes were needed when plans for affordable housing in nearby Rose Avenue had already been approved. A statement included with the application by Tustin Holding said, whilst the South Worcestershire Development Plan review is only at the preferred opposition stage, it is felt that this proposed allocation is is a clear indication that proposed development area is is surplus green space that can be supported as sustainable development moving forward. Uh, Bromford Housing made several attempts to build 50 new homes off Darwin Avenue on a different part of the former golf course which proved unsuccessful and eventually ended with an appeal to the government uh, planning inspector being thrown out. The plan was rejected by Worcester City Council's planning committee twice in as many years, with the planning inspector at the moment looking to have quashed any plans to build on the popular green space. Many residents uh, said they were upset over the possible possibility of losing one of the city's remaining green spaces and councillors insisted they would not be threatened into making a decision by bromford in a row over costs
2: Uh, and now moving on to the headline story for monday september the 4th anger brews as new starbucks give and go ahead independent city coffee shops express fears A coffee shop owner said he does not stand a chance against multinational giants after a move to open another new Starbucks was approved by the council. Famous coffee makers, Starbucks, have been given permission by Worcester City Council to move into Shrub Hill Retail Park into a unit left empty by Carphone Warehouse five years ago but one independent coffee shop owner said he would never be able to compete against the coffee chains, taking over more of the city's empty units. Starbucks could be on the verge of opening two new stores in the city soon, and Costa Coffee has already confirmed it will be moving into an empty unit in Worcester High Street. Francini Orisorio, owner of Francini Café de Colombia in Angel Street, Said multinational coffee chains do not offer anything unique compared to the city's independence. To be honest, I think these brands are killing small independent businesses like supermarkets with the small shops, and the internet is killing the high street, he said. I think it's too much. In my business, we try to give people something that is more unique those kinds of brands. I have never found any interest in those brands. You get your coffee and you walk out. There's nothing for you to be there. We are small businesses and against corporations. We don't stand a chance. If it was up to me, I would be against it. Andy Reynolds, owner of Jack's Cafe in the city centre's Reindeer Court, said a fixation on brands means many of the city's young people turn to Starbucks for coffees instead of the independents. The problem you have got is the internet killed the high street and the only thing you've got about now is pubs, coffee shops and charity shops, he said. I think the younger generation is so fixated on brands that Starbucks, Costa and Cafe Nero and companies like that will always do well. I think the older generation would like independent coffee shops. There are loads in Worcester and two of my personal favourites are Papa's Café and Bolero's. I think they are two of the best in the city. I think people just need to support the independent ones. I think the problem is that the city centre is just getting so flooded with coffee shops. That is the issue. The new Starbucks at the retail park off Tallow Hill would be the city's third with the firm's shops already located in the Cross and Cathedral Square. The city's fourth may be on the way, with controversial plans to open a new drive through rumoured to be at the Starbucks at the Elgar Retail Park in Blackpole, still to be decided by the council. A protest is due to be held against the move on September the 16th. In March, coffee chain Costa announced it was to set up another unit in Worcester High Street last used by Paper Chase, before the stationery shop went into administration.
0: And the headline for Tuesday, September the 5th, Mum's Swim School Blow. A Worcester mum with a brain tumour has said she is devastated she won't get to take her three-year-old son swimming after the collapse of a swim school for children. Ryan Hunter, 27, says she's furious after the collapse of the Nemo Swim School, which has left hundreds of parents out of pocket. The firm's owner said it will be going into administration and there will be no refunds. Parents were told in a WhatsApp message over the weekend about the school's collapse just days before the new term was set to get underway. Miss Hunter said, It's not just the money lost for me. I have a brain tumour and I don't know how long I have left. The school was the only place I could get that was offering under fours swimming. All I wanted was to see my son, Denarcher, go swimming with his dad. I wanted to get him a skill he can use for the rest of his life. I was devastated when I heard. I was heartbroken. Miss Hunter said her son has autism and receives a disability allowance with £65 of that used to pay up front in June for him to have weekly lessons on a Thursday. We're not going to get a refund. People are struggling as it is, she said. It is frustrating. Another mum said, The owner, Scott McKenzie, was pestering us for term payments that would cover September and October back in June. And he's taken our money and stopped all contact and blocked our numbers. The swim school hired the pool at New College in Whittington Road, Worcester. The college said Nemo did not pay to hire the pool either for the previous term or the forthcoming term. However, NEMO boss Scott Allen McKenzie disputes this. A spokesman for New College said, We would like to confirm that New College Worcester hired out the college swimming pool to NEMO Swim School, but beyond that has no other involvement with the company. New College has also not been paid by NEMO for hire, either for the previous term's hire or for the forthcoming term. We are sympathetic to the situation that the parents find themselves in. Mr Mackenzie said yesterday, I am still currently in several conversations with other swim schools to see if there's any feasible possibility of them taking on our ex-members for free. If this is a possibility, we will contact all members directly. No family details will be passed to any third party. Regards, new college, all fees were paid up to date apart from July's invoice. I would once again like to reiterate how sorry I am to lose this business and to cause any upset. Based on a further meeting with an insolvency practitioner, the only alternative I have is to become bankrupt. The appointed liquidator will be in contact with all debtors. And these are the headlines
1: for the Western News on Wednesday, September the 6th. Um, A legal action sought over horrific issues with housing development. We are fed up waiting for repairs, says the headline. And uh, the article under the heading Nightmare Repairs Wait. um, Residents of a new build development in Worcester are seeking legal action after two years of hell trying to get essential repairs done. Homeowners on the Lee development, consisting of Lee Close and some homes on Albury Road, moved into their share ownerships, ownership properties in 2021. Issues that residents say they have been facing include issues of blocked drains, flooding in gardens, broken boilers and potholes on the main road. Pictures of the roads show the potholes and the pictures submitted to the Worcester News by homeowners who are at the end of their tether. Sean Barnes, a homeowner on the development, said that what the people living on the development have gone through has been horrific. He said, we have been fobbed off at every turn after complying with everything they have asked for at every turn. It has been horrific. Every private home on the development is involved in this action and we want answers. We are well and truly fed up. It has been two and a half years of being lied to. We saw shared ownership as a great way to get onto the property ladder. It was sold to us as a good opportunity. Unfortunately, it has not been that. It has been extremely stressful and we feel like cash cows for a massive company. The homeowners were given a 12-month defect period where they raised issues with the development. They claim that in this time barely anything was addressed and after a 24-month defect period they are in the same situation. Mr Barnes said legal action is currently ongoing as it is the last thing we can try and do for for a resolution. United Living and Platform have not met their own deadlines for sorting out the many issues, so legal action is our last chance. Before legal action was sought, a formal complaint was admitted on behalf of the homeowners on Friday, April the 21st. Paula he- Heatley, New Homes Delivery Director at Platform Housing Group, said platform would like to thank the residents at Broadley for bringing their concerns to our attention. We understand their frustration and are committed to working with them to try and resolve the issues raised. A plan is already in place to complete the agreed outstanding work which has been shared with our customers. A spokesperson for United Living said we are aware of the issues that have been raised by the residents and continue to work with our client platform to resolve these issues.
2: And lastly, the headline story for Thursday, September the 7th. Inches from death, teen arrested after car plows into bollards next to children. The article is headed by uh, uh, a couple of photographs showing a car crash wreck with a lot of smoke and people running away. This is the shocking moment, a car ploughed into bollards inches away from children standing outside a city shop. The crash was captured by Gresham Road resident Brett Dawkes' CCTV, who lives opposite the co-op shop in Dines Green. He said the group standing outside, which also included children, could have been killed in the crash, which took place at 3.40pm on Tuesday afternoon, September 6th. A teenager has been arrested on suspicion of aggravated vehicle taking after the car crashed outside the city supermarket as pedestrians scattered to escape the impact. West Mercia Police want anyone want to hear from witnesses or anyone who may have dash cam footage or doorbell footage which would help police with their inquiries. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said We believe other persons are involved and are continuing our inquiries in relation to that. We are trying to piece together the circumstances that led to the crash in Gresham Road. On Mr Dawks' footage, the Volkswagen Golf can be seen arriving at the junction with Shakespeare Road with the co-op shop on the corner. The car turns sharply right. But misses the road to the right, hitting a wooden bollard, flipping into the air before clipping another bollard and coming to a rest, inches before the group of at least six standing people. After the crash, occupants of the car fled the scene in a cloud of smoke. Mr. Dork said, I was downstairs when it happened. It sounded like an earthquake. It is shocking. It is lucky no one died. Anyone with information are asked to contact West Mercia Police on their non-emergency number 101, quoting reference 228 forward slash 23.
0: And now for the general news. Worcester residents are being urged to check their electoral registration details or risk losing, losing their chance to vote on decisions that affect them. The City Council is writing to all households in the city, asking residents to keep the Electoral Register up to date. Next year, is expected to see Worcester residents vote in three elections for their City Councillor, the West Midlands Police and Crime Commissioner, and for their MP. Shane Flynn, Electoral Registration Officer at Worcester City Council, said... Keep an eye out for letters from Worcester City Council. This annual canvas is our way of making sure the information on the electoral register for every address is accurate and up to date. To make sure you don't lose your say at the up and coming elections, simply follow the instructions sent to you. If you're not currently registered, your name will not appear in the letters we send. If you want to register, the easiest way is online at www. Gov.uk forward slash register hyphen to hyphen vote dot.
1: Um, so the Worcester Festival has come and gone. 17 days of activities, competitions, live music, workshops, marching bands, teddy bears, walks, outdoor sports, pot painting. Runs, reenactments, river activities, and of course, Percy the Peacock. There were more than 800 events in over 100 venues with over 100 partner organisations, and more than 80% of the events were free. Everybody involved with the organisation is pretty exhausted after 17 days without a break, but we know it's worthwhile and brings a great deal of happiness to people. There will, of course, be a festival next year, but we are currently looking at exactly what form it will take. Raising the money to fund it has become increasingly difficult, especially post-COVID, when many grant-giving charities have come under increased pressure and have less money to give out. This year was particularly challenging, and in summary, we either need to raise more money or cut back on some of the activities, or both. When we have all the final invoices in, we shall look at the situation and decide a course of action. Incidentally, a big thank you to everybody in the Worcester News for their fantastic coverage of the festival. It really was a big help and made a significant difference. Also, thanks to all the readers that came to the event. There were many, many thousands of you.
2: The final version of the city's electoral map has been revealed following the first review in two decades. The map used for elections in Worcester has been redrawn by the Local Government Boundary Commission for the first time in 20 years with the west of the city set for the biggest changes. The final report by the Local Government Boundary Commission, which has gone through several edits, would see the Bedwardine Ward renamed Lower Wick and Pitt Marston, alongside a similar St John's ward, and a new Dines Green and Grove Farm ward, where hundreds of new homes are set to be built in the coming years. On the opposite side of the city, the Warnden and Gorse Hill wards would be combined to create a single new ward with three councillors and renamed Warnden and Elbury Park. Warnden Parish North would be renamed St Nicholas, and Warnden Parish South would instead be called Leopard Hill, with the idea of Warndon Villages North and Warndon Villages South renames Scrapped. The plan to split the current cathedral ward into two new cities into two into two new city centre and Fort Royal Wards remains, but the Boundary Commission said it had decided to stick with the old cathedral name and has binned the city centre rebrand. Several wards would remain the same, with the Arboretum, Claines, St. Clement's, St. Stephen and St. Peter's wards all untouched. The existing Rainbow Hill ward would incorporate some of the outgoing Gorse Hill ward, and the boundaries of the existing Nunnery and Battenhall wards would change slightly. The city is split into different wards with those eligible in each ward, then voting to elect a councillor to represent them on Worcester City Council. Under the new arrangements there would be 35 councillors, councillors, the same as now, representing 16 rather than 15 wards. Worcester City Council will be electing all councillors in a single election for the first time in 2024 after agreeing to scrap the old system of electing councillors in thirds in three out of every four years and the next general election is also scheduled to be held no later than January 2025. The changes will now be sent to Parliament for approval
0: in time for next year's local elections. A blind military veteran says inconsiderate parking is putting his and his guide dog's lives at risk. Mark Lucid is severely sight impaired and relies on guide dog Yoda to get around. But he says that increasingly he walks around Upton upon Seven are becoming more dangerous because of people parking on pavements. Cars and lorries being parked on pavement forces me and my guide dog into oncoming traffic, said Mr Lucid. Sometimes it is someone parking on the curb while they go into a shop, but they'll park over the dropped curb with bumps. That's where me and Yoda cross the road. And even when Mr Lucid and Yoda feel they've found a safe place to cross, they often find vehicles blocking their way on the other side of the road. Yoda will have to go left and right and sometimes have to go past three or four cars before he can get me to the pavement, Mr Lucid said. Some days it can be clear all the way into town... Other days there'll be three or four vehicles blocking the way, one of them on Arctic lorry or a big van. They may be making deliveries, but that doesn't give them the right to be on the path. Mr Lucid, a former soldier, lost his sight ten years ago and in the following months also suffered a stroke that left him paralysed on his left-hand side. I got walking again four months later and now we walk between two and four miles every day, he said. Adding that getting a guide dog made a huge difference to his life. Yoda is my eyes, he said, and when people park inconsiderably, considerately, it not only puts my life in danger, it's his life as well. And it's not just us, it's also making it more difficult for people in wheelchairs and parents with pushchairs. Upton County and District Councillor Martin Allen said... I fully sympathise with Mark. I have persuaded the parking enforcement team to come to Upton a minimum of three times a week, all unannounced, and one after 6pm. I've been out and seen more warden tickets going on windscreens, but it's very frustrating seeing cars parked illegally, especially people parking in disabled parking spaces. People need to stop and think. Um, A 19-year-old was shouting and squared
1: up to officers in Worcester City Centre on a night out and has been given a chance to prove himself by magistrates. Connor Atheridge of Morton Place, Worcester, appeared at Worcester Magistrates Court on Thursday, August the 31st. Eleanor Pert, prosecuting, said at 12.30am on August the 12th in New Street, Atheridge was given a dispersal notice after shouting at officers. The prosecutor said after he failed to leave, he continued to shout before squaring up to officers. Fearing he would assault someone, Atheridge was then arrested. Miss Pert added, You may feel the offence is aggravated as it was committed against those serving the public. The court clerk then asked Atheridge, who defended himself, after admitting a charge of being drunk and disorderly in a public place, whether there was anything he wanted to say. Atheridge said he had not been aggressive to the officers and said he had not liked being put in handcuffs. He added he'd just come out of the pub when he committed the offence. The teenager said his income varied as he worked on market stalls during the week. After deliberations... Chairman of the Magistrates' Bench, Kevin Lloyd Wright, told Atheridge they had considered his young age and that he had no previous convictions. You need to do what the police say, the chairman said. We have taken into account a bit of immaturity. The chairman said they had decided not to fine Atheridge, instead, giving him a six month conditional discharge. Mr Lloyd Wright explained to the defendant if he committed another offence in that period, he would be doubly punished for both offences. It will come back to haunt you, the chairman said. Stay out of trouble for six months, uh, but forever, please, he said. Atheridge was also told to pay £26 victim surcharge and costs of £100 he was given 28 days to pay the £126 total with a fine collection or order made by the magistrates in case the money was not paid by the defendant.
2: A Worcester care home is at risk of being closed down if it does not make improvements. South Hayes Care Home in London Road was placed in special measures following an inspection in March. And the care home's rating of inadequate remains in place following another visit by the CQC, Care Quality Commission, in June, with the findings now published. The Worcester News contacted South Hayes care home and Regal Care, the company that runs it, for comment. South Hayes has not responded and Regal Care said it would not comment. The home had been rated good in February 2019, but inspectors visited earlier this year to follow up concerns about fire safety at the premises. Visiting in March, the CQC found recommendations from a fire service visit in December 2022 had not been acted on by the care home. Fire doors in increased risk areas did not always close or were defective, so any potential risks to control the spread of fire or to stop people being harmed were ineffective, inspectors said in their report. Fire evacuation procedures were not effective and some staff were unaware of what process should be followed in the event of a fire. Inspectors also found that medicines were not always stored safely, saw exposed hot water pipes and electrical cables and parts of the building were not clean. But residents were being supported to have control of their lives and spend their time doing things they enjoyed, the report states. The atmosphere at the home was relaxed, and people enjoyed the company of each other and staff. Staff felt supported. Despite our findings, people were satisfied with the service they received, and people and their relatives felt the service was safe. Inspectors who visited in June said the actions required by the fire service had been followed, medicines were being stored safely, and concerns around the recruitment of staff had been satisfied. But, they said, some people remained at risk of harm as the provider has failed to provide sufficient fire evacuation equipment and safely secure stairwells. The provider had failed to follow conditions placed on their registration at the last inspection and had admitted people into the home in unsafe conditions. Care homes placed in special measures by the CQC are kept under review, usually for about 12 months, and are at risk of being shut down if they do not make improvements
0: councillors donned special glasses that mimic blindness to walk through the city and find out the risks posed by too many A-boards. The walk came after concerns were raised that the number of A-boards and other hazards outside businesses are making it difficult for disabled people to navigate the city centre safely. Site Concern Worcestershire says the boards, often used for advertising, form a barrier to an otherwise clear pathway and can also cause canes to become trapped and in some cases break. Anne Eyre, Chief Executive Officer of Site Concern Worcestershire, emphasised the charity is supportive of local businesses but suggested that a re-evaluation may be needed regarding A boards and street furniture. She said... I am delighted that Worcester City councillors and officers are listening to blind and partially sighted people's experiences and working with Sight Concern Worcestershire to ensure that Worcester City is an accessible, welcoming environment for all those who wish to visit. I'm looking forward to working with the council and businesses to improve accessibility for vision-impaired customers and identify ways of advertising which do not have a negative impact on disabled people. Worcester City councillors joined Sight Concern Worcestershire for the walk after Councillor Jill Desiree had a visually impaired constituent highlight the issue. She said, I was contacted earlier this year about the dangers that visually impaired people face, so I have been working with Councillor Robin Norfolk and Sight Concern to be able to do this walk through the city centre. Sight Concern provided special glasses that stimulate different levels of visual impairment which the councillors were able to try out it was really quite sobering and proved to be a really beneficial experience in a survey of vision impaired people conducted by the RNIB 95% of respondents had collided with an obstacle in their local neighbourhood and over half of them had collided with an A board According to Worcestershire County Council's interim A-board policy, the owner of the business remains liable for the A-boards at all times and they must be more than one metre high and 0.75 metres wide. There must be a minimum of 1.8 metres of unobstructed footway between the A-board and any trafficked carriageway. Another walk has been planned by Site Concern Worcestershire for later this year. Um, an open-door cafe which has provided food for thought
1: and a recipe for lasting friendship is now celebrating its first birthday. The open-door cafe at St. Wollstone's Church on Cranham Drive will be reopening on Saturday, September the 9th, between noon and one thirty after its summer break. This is community lunch offered to local residents of Warnden and neighbouring districts, and this month, Warnden's Open Door Café celebrates its first birthday. Funding comes from the Warm Hubs Group, Sanctuary Housing, Citizen and Platform Housing, and the Blakemore Foundation. The café is run by Councillor Jill de Desara. de who, along with a crew of volunteers, prepares the meals and drinks. Labour's city councillor is known for highlighting local issues from antisocial behaviour to fly-tipping and disabled access, but her enthusiasm for cooking and building on Walden's community spirit were motivations behind the adventure. Councillor Desira said, Starting out, no one had any idea whether this would take off, However, here about to celebrate our first, an- we're here about to celebrate our first anniversary. The need for this service continues. We see a wide mix of people: young families, elderly people, couples, and single people. It is a great opportunity for people to come together for a chat, eat a home-cooked meal, and start their Saturday off. Personally, I get a thrill when people enjoy my cooking and I'm in awe to the team of volunteers inside and outside the kitchen who are are the unsung heroes of the day. This week's menu is a light soup, sandwiches and three flavours of homemade ice cream to cool everyone down during this late summer mini-heat wave. Uh, Peanut butter, raspberry and rhubarb and ginger are on offer, and each week's menu is to be found on the community Facebook page. Uh, Desira Walden. Everyone is welcome and a happy bunch of returning customers ex- is expected, said Councillor Desira.
2: The next article details some interesting past events occurring in September in Worcester. On a warm autumn evening, 86 years ago, the most glamorous and vainglorious episode in Worcestershire's history came to a spectacular end. Whitley Court, the county's most magnificent mansion, caught fire. In its day it was the equal of Blenheim and Chatsworth and cocooned in its opulence, royalty and the highest of society had been entertained on a lavish scale. Flames and smoke roared skyward as firefighters from Worcester, Starport, Kidderminster and Starbridge battle to contain the inferno. Locals rushed to help, carrying valuables from the court and laying them on the expansive lawns. When the flames were eventually extinguished, the heroic efforts of the fire crews had confined the damage to the east wing and the centre of the building, but Whitley Court never recovered from that disastrous night of September 7th, 1937. Today, thanks to the intervention of English heritage, the ruins of the old mansion are a fascinating place to visit. Its grounds have been restored, its spectacular showpiece fountains roar skywards again, and the stature of the roofless building and a wealth of photographs give some idea of what once was. The court's fateful night is marked in Worcester's history and heritage calendar as an important county event over the centuries and here are some more September the 3rd 1651 the battle of Worcester between the parliamentary army of Oliver Cromwell and the royalists led by King Charles II took place on the river meadows to the south of the city Cromwell triumphed and the king eventually fled to France to commemorate the battle site in 2001 Labour MP Tam Dyell, a descendant of General Dyell, who led the Royalist supporting Scottish army in 1651, laid a stone brought from Scotland at Poetbridge in tribute to the 3,000 Scottish soldiers who died that day. September 8, 1062. St. Wulstan, Worcester's most famous bishop from Anglo Saxon times, is consecrated. Born in 1008, he joined the Benedictine Monastery at Worcester in 1038. As bishop, he founded Morven Priory and began building works at Worcester and Hereford cathedrals. He died in 1095 and was buried in Worcester Cathedral. At Easter 1158, King Henry II and his wife Queen Eleanor of Aquitaine came to the cathedral and placed their crowns on his shrine. Woolston was canonised a saint on May the 14th, 1203. September the 9th, 1902, Worcester City Football Club is formed. According to Julian Pugh in his 2003 book, The Official History of Worcester City Football Club, the two prominent teams to emerge in Worcester in the 1880s were Worcester Rovers and Berwick Rangers. By 1902, rovers were no longer in existence, and on September 9, 1902, at the Paul Pry Inn, the Butts, a new club was proposed to be called Worcester City. The first match under the name was played on September twentieth, 1902, at Seven Terrace against Stafford Rangers, but City lost 2-1. The club moved to a permanent base at St George's Lane in 1905, after periods at Thornlow and Flagmegat Meadow. When this site was sold for development, a proposal to move to Nunnery Way in 1995 failed, and now WCFC plays at Claines Lane. September 15, 2018 Cricketer Basil D'Oliveira is posthumously awarded the freedom of the city of Worcester. Arguably the most influential cricketer of all time, his presence helped break down barriers in the sport. A talented cape-coloured schoolboy cricketer in his homeland of South Africa, he was unable to play for its all-white international team because of the country's apartheid system. D'Olivera was helped to further his career in England, first in Lancashire League cricket, and then in 1964 he joined Worcestershire. He played 44 test matches for England, and his inclusion in the 1968-69 MCC touring party to South Africa, dubbed the D'Olivera Affair, had a massive impact in turning international opinion against the apartheid regime and prompted changes in South African sport and eventually in society. He was appointed CBE and died in November 2011, aged 80, or possibly 83, because he was always cagey about his age. At his funeral in Worcester Cathedral, Sir Michael Parkinson gave one of the eulogies. September twentieth, 1922... The 8th HMS Worcester was completed. A W-class destroyer, she saw service in the Second World War. In October 1939, she began convoy escort duties until May 24, 1940, when she was assigned to Operation Dynamo, the evacuation of Allied troops from Dunkirk. She made six trips to the French beaches and transported a total of 4,350 troops, suffering damage during an air raid on May the 27th 1940. HMS Worcester continued operations until December the 23rd 1943 when she detonated a mine in the North Sea. This destroyed her stern and she was towed to Great Yarmouth in 1944, the destroyer was decommissioned and was sold for scrap in 1946. And lastly, September the 23rd, 1970, the foundation stone for Worcester's municipal Sansom Walk Baths was laid. After decades of not having a decent swimming pool, in the 1970s, Worcester suddenly found itself with two. Worcester Citizens Swimming Bath Association, laid, led by Alderman Stanley Marshall, opened one at Lower Wick, and then the government came up with sufficient cash for Worcester City Council to build one on the site of the old park's outdoor paths in Sansom Walk.
0: There is still a record number of unwanted cats and kittens being dumped at animal shelters, and the situation is showing no sign of, grow- of slowing down according to Claire Wood from RSPCA Worcester and mid Worcestershire Branch. More than 240 cats have come through the doors of the Holding Animal Centre in Kemsey this year so far. The shelter currently has 50 cats in their care at the shelter. Fewer people want to adopt kittens now, and they have 50 cats in the care of the shelter. Miss Wood said, If you are in a position to take on a pet, please do consider rehoming and not buying... We're seeing a record number of unwanted cats, and the situation is showing no sign of slowing down. Together with our small team of fosterers, we've currently got 50 cats and kittens in our care, and we also have a long waiting list. We're also getting calls on an almost daily basis from people who want to relinquish their pets. It's heartbreaking. Kittens and cats up for adoption are listed on the RSPCA's Worcester branch's website. Caspian is just one of the cats looking for a home. He is thought to be around five years old and has been living on the street for a while. Since coming to the shelter, Caspian enjoys visitors and being fussed over. But this is also happening across the county, not just in Worcestershire. In June 2047, incidents of abandonment were reported to the RSPCA compared to 1527 in June last year. In the first six months of 2023, 9,748 incidents of abandonment were reported to the RSPCA's emergency line. 8,551 incidents were reported in 2022. An RSPCA spokesman said, The cost of living crisis is one of the biggest challenges in animal welfare right now. Our landmark animal kindness index suggests that 81% of owners are finding it expensive to look after their pets, and as prices spiral, almost one quarter of owners are worried about feeding their pets. We here we're seeing we hear we fear we're seeing the impact of the cost of living crisis on the front line, with our officers getting called to increased numbers of animal abandonment. Um, There's a poignant
1: symbol behind a new charity appeal. (laughs) A stunning limited edition dandelion sculpture is the poignant symbol behind a new charity appeal from Acorns Children's Hospice. That's capturing the hearts of people across Worcestershire. The bespoke handmade ornament representing Acorns' care and support for local families during the darkest times are being made available as part of the charity's summer campaign, the ACON's Dandelion Appeal. Uh, The uh, appeal involves sorry, invites loved ones, friends and supporters to remember someone special by dedicating one of these exclusive sculptures in their memory, and in doing so help the charity's specialist care teams continue to be there when the unimaginable happens and a parent loses their child. More than 270 dandelions have been dedicated since the campaign launched last week. With limited numbers available, people are being urged to get theirs now and make a meaningful difference as they remember their loved ones. Joe Fleming... Acorn's interim director of care said losing a child is one of the hardest things a parent will ever go through. Acorn's dandelion appeal is dedicated to raising money to help us continue to be there for those families when the unimaginable happens. Uh, We've had such an incredible response to our appeal in its first few days with our local community really taking its message into their hearts. More than 270 dandelions have been de- dedicated to honour the lives of much-missed loved ones. Every donation made with them means we can be there for parents facing the loss of their child every step of the way, giving them the vital love, care and support they need. For more information about Acorns Dandelion Appeal and to make your dedication, visit www.acorns. Dot org.uk slash acorns dandelion.
0: Uh,
2: and now for a good news story. A preschool has received a good rating from Ofsted inspectors as work continues on its new permanent home. Rushwick Preschool has received a good report from inspectors Ofsted with praise in all of the key areas, including quality of education behaviour and attitudes and personal development as well as leadership and management. Staff and children at the preschool in Upper Wick Lane in Rushwick said they were overjoyed with the new inspection results as the focus now turned to making the long-needed move to a permanent home next year. Ofsted inspectors found that children at the preschool performed secure relationships with kind and caring staff. Children are independent and take responsibility for their belongings, the report said. They behave well and know what staff expect of them. Ofsted also found that children at the preschool were eager to play and motivated to learn. They listened attentively to stories read enthusiastically by staff, inspectors said. Children confidently join in with action songs and rhymes. Children use their imaginations and express their creativity. Staff plan a good balance of child-initiated and adult-led activities. They know what they want children to learn and why. However, on occasion, particularly during group activities, staff's intentions for children's learning are not always developmentally appropriate for all taking part. This means some children are not as actively engaged in their learning as their peers. Nevertheless, Ofsted said, parents spoke highly of Rushwick Preschool, saying that staff were lovely and their children were very happy to attend. Ofsted also praised the leadership and management of the preschool, saying it was strong and its dedicated manager, Stacey Clark, continued to drive improvements and further develop the already good standard of care and education. The manager holds her staff team in high regard, Ofsted said. She works alongside staff on a daily basis. The manager meets regularly with staff to talk about their well-being and discuss ongoing professional development opportunities. Staff morale is high. They state that they feel valued and supported by the manager and wider leadership team. Staff are very happy in their roles. The good inspection results come as work continues to build the new Rushwick Preschool, which is on course to be finished later this year. The preschool hopes to move from its temporary home at Rushwick Primary School, where it has been since the start of this year, and be up and running in the new purpose-built building by January next year. Preschool manager Stacey Clark said... Committee and staff members, both past and present, have worked extremely hard over many years with fundraising for the new build. We are all very excited and relieved that after all the hard work, the finished project is finally in sight. We plan to have an open day on completion of the new preschool, where we will invite all past families, staff and committee members who have all been a huge support to us over the years and have enabled us to achieve our goal. The preschool was rated good in its last inspection in 2017.
0: Council chiefs from across the county have united to express concern about plans to close railway ticket offices. The leaders of Worcestershire's six district councils, Worcester, Malvern Hills, Witchhaven, Redditch, Bromsgrove and Forest met to discuss pro- proposals by West Midlands Railway and Great Western Railway. The plans would see all ticket offices across close except one at Worcester Foregate Street. The district councils are concerned about the impact of the charge changes on rail users in Worcestershire, including tourists at some stations. They're calling on the rail companies to pay careful attention to points raised by rail users in their consultation. Councillor Tom Wells, leader of Malvern Hills District Council, chaired the meeting to discuss the issue. He said, The railway companies should not make it harder for people to use railways. It is not just about buying tickets, it's about security and wraparound support for rail users. The district councils are particularly concerned about the lack of information and guarantees within West Midlands Railways proposals. They do not state when staff will be available at the county's busiest stations that currently have ticket offices or promise to keep existing offices to waiting rooms and toilet facilities. In contrast, Great Western Railway has set out that staff will continue to be present during the same hours as now. The consultation closed on Friday, September 1st. In a joint response, the councils have asked West Midlands Railway to set out its proposed timetable for implementing the changes and the guaranteed hours when staff will be present at Worcestershire's busiest stations. They have asked the railway companies to guarantee that ticket machines will be provided indoors where possible and councillors are also calling for closed ticket office areas to be used for other purposes such as commercial or community use rather than being boarded up. Um, Worcester Cathedral overflowed
1: as friends and family said goodbye to a man who was the heart of the community and the people of Worcester. Hundreds of people attended the funeral of Andrew Roberts, known as Andy, who was a popular Worcestershire county councillor and Worcester city councillor representing Warndon. He was also previously the Assistant Chief Fire Officer of Hereford Worcester Fire and Rescue Service. Alongside family and friends, dignitaries such as Worcester MP Robin Walker, fellow county and city councillors and the fire officers who arrived in a fire engine were there to pay tribute to his life. The coffin of Councillor Roberts, who died aged 74... Was decorated with white flowers and it was draped with a cloth branded with the initials HWFR. The service officiated by Reverend Canon Dr. Stephen Edwards began with a, with a hymn, prayers and a reading from scripture from Councillor Robert's niece Nicola. A poem named I Am There was then read by Councillor Robert's niece Penny. And a tribute read by his nephew, Tim, followed. All of us here today would have had our lives enriched by Andrew at some point, he said. He later added, I hope, I only hope he knew how much love the family and community had for him and the difference he made in life has been appreciated. Andy, we will miss you so much. God bless you and may you rest in peace. A sermon was then read by Callan Diane Cooksey, vicar of St. Nicholas, warnden area, where uh, vicar of St. Nicholas, Warndon area, Dean of Worcester, who had described Councillor Roberts as the heart of the community and the people of Worcester. I wonder how many here today have asked for help or received help from Andy, she said, before reading a passage about helping others who reflect his life service in Worcestershire. She added, We gather here to thank God and celebrate a life, but we are also here today to do something that hurts and to say farewell to someone we love and cherish. The crowd then sang two more hymns and said the Lord's Prayer before the service closed. Councillor Roberts had dedicated years of service and divisional funds to the Community Trust and Worcester Worcester Environment Environment Group and visitors could give money in his memory to these charities after the service. Paul Snooks, co-founder of Worcester Environment Group, said we planted literally thousands of trees because he had donated towards them. He used to say a society grows great when old men plant trees in whose shade they shall never sit. Mr Snooks said this was a quote that represented Councillor Roberts' lifelong community work perfectly. The funeral took place at 12.30 on Monday, September the 4th.
2: The opening hours for the city's popular splash pad will be cut to save the council money. Councillors have approved the move to slash the number of days the splash pad at Gelleveld Park in Worcester opens a year from 166 to 100, saving around £26,000 a year. The splash pad has usually opened from the Easter school holidays until early September, but the new money saving proposals would see the water play area open from the summer school holidays until the beginning of the new school year. It was also agreed by Worcester City Council's Policy and Resources Committee that staff would end their permanent presence at the splash pad with agency workers brought in at a cost of around £15,000 a year to deal with any issues while it is open. Councillors were given several money-saving options for the city's splash pad at the meeting in the Guildhall on Tuesday, September 5th including one that would see the splash pad close completely, saving more than £80,000 a year. Councillors were also asked to consider cutting back opening days and times and only opening at weekends. The City Council officers recommend that councillors take up the option which would see the splash pad open from 11am to 4pm between May the 24th and July the 18th next year, and 11am to 6pm between July the 19th and September the 1st. Councillor Louis Stephen asked whether the council could again use its reserves to keep the splash pad's opening times the same as they are now. The council's Director of Finance, Shane Flynn, said the council did not have reserves to cover the predicted gap in next year's budget with a £2.2 million hole expected for 2023 to 24, too big for the £1.8 million the council has set aside and not yet tied to any projects. Councillor Jabal Riaz said reserves should only really be used for emergencies and dire circumstances and the council should be building rather than depleting them. Using the reserves is the coward's way out, he said. We need to make the tough decisions now so we can reap the rewards later. It's not an easy decision, but decisions need to be made and we need to have the courage to make them. Committee Chair Councillor James Stanley said, if we are not making a saving of a similar magnitude that we were considering at the beginning of the discussion, then where does that go? How does that potentially affect other services? The City Council has warned of job losses and further cuts to services, with a worrying gap in the authority's budget expected to rise to £2.2 million next year and at least £4 million in the next five years. The Council warns that already squeezed services will be cut to the bone with only the amenities the authority has to do by law, spared from the chop.
0: Oh, thank you, Ian. And now that ends our general stories, and we'll move on to some sporting items. Starting with uh, ladies' football, Worcester City women began life at New Home Six Ways with a competitive 1-1 draw with Ly Town in their opening game of the league se- se- season. Emma Cosgrave's goal early in the second half looked to be the winner in a cagey affair at six ways in the opening game of the West Midlands Regional Women's Football League. But City was forced to drop deep and as the game entered the final 10 minutes, Lie equalised to secure themselves a point. It was a cagey opening, 45 minutes with some opening game rust evident as both sets of players worked themselves into the game but City did have a couple of chances to take the lead, with two of them falling to striker Olivia Mitchum. Twice she found herself in behind the lie defence, but on both occasions she was unable to convert, slicing the ball wide. Holly Rogers also came close to giving City the lead, but she could only poke wide in what turned out to be a frustrating half for the host's. City keeper Alicia Hine had to make a couple of smart saves at the start of the second half but it would be the hosts who took the lead up to the other end. Congrave broke into the lie box and slid the ball past the keeper and into the corner to make the breakthrough. Both sides struggled to create but the away side did push as the game entered the final 10 minutes with Lindsay Glover striking a 25-yard effort just over the bar. The away side continued to look the more likely and in the 87th minute they did find the equaliser as the ball was fired home from inside the box. There were late appeals for a lie penalty turned down by the referee as the visitors ended the game stronger but City held on for a draw. Um, This is an item about um, Worcestershire's um,
1: cricket success over Glamorgan. The headline reading, Bowlers Shine, and the pairs beat Glamorgan to maintain a promotion push. A skilful bowling display helped Worcestershire complete victory over Glamorgan Glamorgan inside three days at New Road. The home side strengthened their grip on second place in Division Two of the county championships with their fifth win of the season, Glamorgan were dismissed for 179 on day three, as Worcestershire won by 80 runs, picking up a total of 20 points from the match and moving 31 points ahead of Glamorgan in the battle for the second promotion spot behind Durham. Dutch international Logan van Beek completed an excellent and all-round game with another four wickets to take his tally to eight in the game after his first innings half-century. Worcestershire had started the day batting on 127 for 8, but added only 18 more runs for the last two wickets to finish on 145 all-out. Dylan Pennington and Joe Leach shared the new ball, and it didn't take long for the latter to claim his 44th wicket of the season, trapping Ed Byron, LBW to leave the visitors three to one. Netherlands all-rounder Van Beek had former Worcestershire Academy graduate Zane Al Hassan dropped at mid-wicket, but three wickets soon fell for just seven runs. Colin Ingram was caught at third slip by Jake Libby off the bowling of Van Beek, and Al Hassan was bowled by Ben Allison who is on loan at Worcestershire from Essex, and Glamorgan was thirty seven for four, when Van Beek had Kieran Carlson LB double with another swinging delivery. Sam Northeast and Bill Roof Root provided some resistance with a partnership of forty eight before Northeast was caught at first slip by Adam Hose off the bowling of Leech. Roots, in, uh, Root's counter-attacking knock saw him finish unbeaten on 84 from 100 balls with 11 4s, but Worcestershire continued to take wickets at the other end. Allison had Chris Cook caught by Libby at third slip for 12, and Van Beek was in the action once again when Ben Callaway tried in vain to kick the ball away from his stumps after it has spun back, bagging himself a, a pair in the process. Jack Harris was caught by Haynes off Pennington for 14. Leach had Tim van der Guten caught by Hose at Slips for one and Van Beek, wrapped up victory, bowling James McElroy for two.
2: Uh, and lastly, moving back to football, a draw has been made for the second round of FA Cup qualifying. Worcester City, thanks to Kyle Belmont's last-minute winner at Sherwood Colliery, have been handed a home tie against Leek Town. The Northern Premier League West Side Step 4 will provide a stern test for City, who play a, a level above their hosts. League currently sit ninth in the table, having won two of their five matches in the league campaign so far. It will be the first time City have played a team a level above them in this year's FA Cup. They beat Dudley Town in the extra preliminary round, before a late winner at Westfields in the preliminary round. As for other Worcestershire sides, Redditch United go to Peterborough Sports after their big 5 nil win over Baldmere St Michael's on Saturday. Alf Church will face Hale in town away from home in a local derby and Bromsgrove Sporting are also set for an away trip when they faced Barwell.
0: Thank you. And that is the end of our contribution for this week. Thank you very much for listening. And um, for any of you who want to listen to the obituaries, they will follow the music. So it just... Comes to us to say goodbye and keep cool and keep safe until next time. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.
0: Thank you. Now the obituaries. Patricia Ellen, known as Pat Scott, we are announcing the passing of Pat Scott. A funeral service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on the 11th of September at 10am. Family flowers only and donations gratefully received to Cancer Research UK. Betty Forer sadly passed away on Thursday the 10th of August, aged 93. Funeral service will take place on Thursday the 14th of September at Worcester Crematorium at 11.30, followed by a Thanksgiving service at the United Reform Church at 1pm. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, to Greenpeace, can be left in the donation box provided or sent directly to the charity on www.greenpeace.org.uk. All inquiries to AV Band St John's. Elizabeth Wilkes, known as Liz. The family are sad to announce the peaceful passing of Elizabeth on Friday, the 11th of August. Funeral service will take place on Friday the 8th of September at Worcester Crematorium at 2.30. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, can be sent to the Friendship Cabin or Cancer Research or left in the donation box provided. All inquiries to AV Band St John's. Peter Charles King passed away on the 16th of August. Funeral service at Lye Church on Monday the 11th of September at 12 noon and a private burial. Family flowers only. Donations to cancer research. Refreshments at Alfric Village Hall. RSVP to family. Inquiries and donations to F.W. Spilsbury. Hugh Thomas Williams sadly passed away at Worcester Royal Hospital on Wednesday the 16th of August. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 15th of September at 10.45. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, can be sent to Macmillan Cancer Support or left in the donations box provided. All inquiries to AV Band, St John's. Bob Whitefoot passed away on August the 20th. Funeral service will take place at St Bartholomew's Church, Harpley. On Wednesday, September the 20th at 2pm, followed by internment in the churchyard. Family flowers only, please, and donations if desired for St Bartholomew's Church and the Dogs Trust. Inquiries to Emma Booston Funeral Services, Bromyard.
2: Patricia Dorothy Mary Huff passed peacefully away on the 23rd of August. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 14th of September at 2.30pm. Family flowers only please but donations if desired for Age UK, Herefordshire and Worcestershire may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to EJ Gummery & Son Worcester. No mourning clothes by request. Brian James Martin passed away peacefully on Thursday, the 24th of August. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, the 15th of September at 1.45pm. Please send all floral tributes to Co-op Funeral Care, 17 Lowesmore, Worcester. Donations, if so desired, will be gratefully received for St. Richard's Hospice. John Goss Newell, the Major, passed away unexpectedly Thursday the 24th of August at St. Richard's Hospice. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 14th of September at 12.15pm. Family flowers only please. Donations if so desired will be gratefully received for St. Richard's Hospice. Many thanks to St. Richard's Hospice and staff. For their wonderful support and care, David Porter passed away peacefully on Monday, twenty eighth of August. The funeral service will take place on Friday, the twenty second of September, at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only, please, with donations to the Alzheimer's Society. All inquiries to A V Band. Maureen Hazel Gibson passed away peacefully on Thursday August the 31st. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 14th of September at 1.45. Flowers welcome to Worcester funeral service. We send our best wishes to the family and friends of the recently departed at this difficult time.